You are what you think. This is how it works. How we think, watch this, determines how we make decisions. We agree with that, right? And decisions are what determine where we are and where we will be. Now, those of us who are older, not old, older. How many of you are older? You're not old, but older, right? Those of you who are older, we usually say things like, if I knew what I know now when I was 18, I would have made a completely different decision. Come on. Now, I, want to, I don't want to pour cold water into your conviction, but it's really not true. But the point we're trying to make is, I'm going to address that. The point we're trying to make is that we knew that if we had made the different decisions in our life over the past, we would have been in a different place today. Yes or no? If you were to be able to travel back through time and look at and having the knowledge that you have, you believe you would have made totally different decision and then therefore come to a completely different part. You will be at a different place in your life. In other words, we are the sums of all our decisions. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the sums of all your decisions. Come on, go ahead and say that. Some of you say, I don't believe that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Now, the statement is very exciting because, listen to this, it puts the control back into your hand. Not in somebody else's hand, not in your mother, not in your grandmother, not in your teacher, not in your boss, not in your siblings, not in how people treated you or treat you. But the control is in your hand. You say, well, what about the will of God? We will address just that in a few moments. Just hold your horse. It is no longer some kind of fate or some kind of cosmic alignment. If you believe in that, I don't. But some kind of cosmic alignment that is out of our control. But it is something that the Word of God, and I'll show you, the Word of God tells us we can actually do something about it. You and I have no one to blame. Now, this could be very, it's not meant to judge you or condemn you. But if we are not happy at the place where we're at, don't live in regret. Please don't. Over the next few weeks, I will show you from the scriptures and also from neuro, neuroscience. Now, I know I got several doctors in this house, so if I make some mistakes, excuse me, don't judge me, okay? I'm not a neuroscientist, but I'll show you how your brain actually works. And I'll show you how the Holy Spirit actually works in that brain. You can actually make sure that from this point onward, which is January the 6th, 11.30 a.m. from this point, mark this day, mark this hour from this day onwards, you will be making all your decisions right and therefore in the perfect will of God and therefore release you into your full potential that God had created in you. Some of you say, well, I have all my full potential. Well, you haven't because if you lived out your full potential already, you would have been called home. The fact that you're still breathing and sitting here is because there's some potential that needs to be realized and hasn't been realized yet. 
Now let's talk about the will of God. Now every believer is praying for the perfect will of God. Right? We all want the perfect will of God. Why? Because we know that if we make the perfect, we make decision in the perfect will of God, it will be a perfect decision and that we'll be in the right place. A lot of people say, I want to pray for the perfect will of God. And it is a good prayer and it is a good heart. Then God wants you to live in his perfect will. In the old days, I would say, oh, God, show me a perfect will. 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 And I pray, and I pray. There's no booming voice from heaven coming. There's no vision in front of me. And, you know, I pray and I pray. Now, and then, got nothing. But you realize that the Word of God has already taught us how it is that we can live in the perfect will of God. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 to 2, we're going to read this together. I'm going to highlight, I highlight some words in color so you can know exactly what I want to preach. The Word of God says that I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's start right here. The first thing you need to know to live in the will of God is be a sacrifice. Everybody say a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Sacrifice means that you are not in control. It's not your plan anymore. It's not I think, I do, I plan, I believe. Uh Uh-uh. Living sacrifice means that you live in a yielded life. Completely yielded. A lot of people asking for the will of God and not willing to yield. They think God will embolden and empower them to do their own thing. There has never been the teaching in the Word of God. Never, ever. A lot of people have been searching and searching the will of God and haven't yielded their life fully, surrender fully, and tell the wonder why they can't hear the voice of God. You can actually hear the voice of God if you become the living sacrifice, which means you are on the altar, which means God have your way. You do whatever you have to. In that yielded life, you will find the perfect will of God. In that yielded life, I'm going to explain to you in the next couple of uh, verse, uh, next first how it is to have a yielded life but the first thing is you need to make a decision you see you don't know north america in fact the world all over we think god always as a genie we worship god we go to church we go to temple we go pray for whoever so that we can use his power for our own benefits I know some of you are shocked. No, he's not like that. No. He created you. He has more power than you. What makes you think that you can use him? And you've been trying to and it hasn't worked, has it? The key is not to use God. The key is to being used by God. When you're in his perfect will, He will use you to do things that you never imagined you would do. But the key is to you. Not be impatient. Absolutely you. Surrender. If nothing happens, so be it. That's yieldedness. I remember one time I was praying, you know, God, I pray for, you know, fasting and praying. And then the Holy Spirit said, what if I don't want to answer? Are you cool with that? Hmm. Then why am I wasting all this time praying? Oh, that's your motivation. (laughs) <laughs> in order for this to work, and you guys, I shouldn't say you, us guys, 
we will be so much more far advanced by December 31st, 2019, if we understand what yieldedness is. I remember one time, there was, uh, uh, I was praying for people. And I, I, I pray for people. You know, I like to pray for people who get sick or whatever. I pray and see some miracles. And sometimes I don't see miracles. And one time I was praying for a lot of people and nothing happened. I was like, God, you know, is it me wrong? Is it my sin? Whatever. You know, what's going on? He said, are you yielded? I said, I'm absolutely yielded. So you should work. He said, oh, really? I should work for you? Uh, no, don't you want to heal them? Are you yielded? What if I don't do anything? Are you still yielded? That's yieldedness. That's very hard. But it's the first condition to know the perfect will of God. is to be a living sacrifice. He doesn't want you to be dead. You're still kicking things, thinking, and, you know, still have your own will. But you, living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Now, just for entertainment, I'm going to talk about holiness. Holiness means separation, yes? yes? And the word holiness and sanctification is almost from the same root. So a lot of times we think of sanctification or being holy, in other words, is apart from sin. Do you know what is the opposite of holiness? Oh, before I answer you that question, I ask you a quick question. If that is the case, why did Jesus in John at the end of his life say that, Lord, I pray that you sanctify them, that is the disciples, even as I have sanctified myself. Jesus had sin. Is that why he had to sanctify himself? If sanctification is from sin, why did Jesus have to sanctify himself? Does that mean he had sin? Hmm. No, friends. Sanctification, the opposite of sanctification is not sinfulness. It's commonality. Being common. The world may think it's okay to swear. That's common. You sanctify yourself, which means you are away and from the behavior of the world. You are uncommon. Everybody say uncommon. Being holy means you are uncommon. The world may be, a, may be slaving away, but you are a child of the Most High God. You are uncommon. You should think, you say, don't think yourself too highly, too highly of yourself. No, you think of how God says you are. You are a child of God. You are free. And you, you, you are different. You have his authority. You are uncommon. Does it include sin? Yes, absolutely. But that's too small of a definition. Jesus said, I have set myself, my, my, myself apart. Sanctify myself. I make myself uncommon. To the world, and yet you hang out with sinners. What does that mean? It means that his behavior, his decisions, his thinking was quite radically different from the world. And that's what we want to talk about today is how you know the perfect will of God. Remember, we're talking about making decisions now because that's what makes who you are. Now, verse 2 Do not be conformed to this world, but being transformed. Let's stop right there. Transform is from the Greek word that also used to 
um, uh, to translate the word metamorphosis. How many know what metamorphosis is? Okay, if you don't know what metamorphosis is, too complicated a word, it means that you are changing from one state of being to another. For example, a caterpillar. When a caterpillar changed from a caterpillar, all the hairs, you know, all those little gross little things, I think, I think it's gross to me, it's little, you know, to become a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. The two creatures look completely different. God has called you to go through that process that you will be so different from the world that you are not recognizable by the world. That's called metamorphosis. Transformation. Complete change. And may 2019 be the year of metamorphosis. And by the time you go to your Christmas dinner next time, they'll go, whoa, I can't recognize you. Wow, what happened to you? That's metamorphosis inside and out. Now watch this. Don't change for change's sake. Because you can say, all right, I don't want to be a caterpillar, you know, living on the plants. I'm just going to drop down and be like a worm. I'm different. A lot of people go for difference for different sakes, so they become weird. You know the reason the man was forced, God wants to go through transformations because the world needs to see that you were a caterpillar. Now you are a butterfly. And all those caterpillars go, whoa. When people see the butterfly, they want to be a butterfly. But some of us drop ourselves down to be like a worm that people squash on. Why? Metamorphosis. Transform to become better. Now how do you do that? Renewal of your mind. Here it is. Renewal of your mind. Why is that important? That by testing, that word testing is actually not in the original text. This is what's added later on. It's by so renewal of your mind that you may discern, there it is, the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to know the will of God? It's right here. You can hear it. Because here hasn't changed. In other words, discerning the perfect will of God requires, watch this, a right mind. However, our mind, your mind and my mind, is shaped by our culture, by our environments, by our upbringings, and shaped by our own past decisions has been influenced by the mind that has been shaped by something that's like a vicious cycle. See, how you and I make decisions every single day, how we make decisions is done in the way that our mind is structured or shaped by our past experiences and decisions. Experiences including our culture, school system, parents, education, experiences. And because it's shaped that way, we make a decision a certain way. Remember I said this earlier. I said that, you know, uh, somebody's, we, we all older ones said that if I knew what I know now, I would have made a decision. I said that's not true. Did you remember I said that? Did you hear I said it was not true? The reason I said that it's not true 
is because even if you do have the right information, you will notice that if your mind is not right, you will still tend to make the wrong decision. And the reason is because this is how your mind is structured. Do you know how many decisions you make a day? Give it a guess. 10, 20? Do you know you make 35,000 decisions every single day, over 2,000 decisions every hour in your waking moment? And the majority of those decisions were made without even you thinking about it. It passed your conscious mind. In other words, the majority of your decisions, and they are very critical, the majority of your decisions are made outside you having to literally sit down and deliberate them. The decisions you make are all based on the structure of your mind. They say that 95% of us, by the time we reach 35, will have a set of behaviors that we live by unless there is a catastrophic and mind seismic shift in our environment. We wake up the same way, we drink the same kind of coffee, double-double or black. <laughs> we drive to work the same way, we come home the same way, and we eat dinner the same way, we take a shower, or either you take, you know, we have already set a certain behavior. It's almost like we are bound by what is being shaped. Now, let's go back to the story, that the statement I made, that I don't believe that even if you have the right information, you will be making the right decision. For example, we know that eating fat food is bad. And we also know that eating sweet is bad. It's going to add weight to us, calories. And yet here we are, all right, after Christmas, 25 pounds bigger. We love those turkey skin, shandai, right? We like those mashed potato with a lot of whipped cream, butter, and whatever you put in your mashed potato. We just like those fat, fat food. <clears throat> and those chocolates, oh dear. Actually, just a side note, somebody was proposing that we should have a chocolate exchange Sunday. Bring all the chocolates that you could, don't want to eat. Let's bring it to church on Sunday. We share with everybody. In that way, you don't have any more temptation at home, Shandai, right? And then you can bless somebody. You guys want to do that? Let's, yeah, we should do that, right? We should do that. No, no, you listen to your wife, brother. You listen to your wife. No, yeah. I know. You listen to your wife. <laughs> so next week, bring all your chocolate. Whether your husband agree or not, just bring them. <laughs> oh. Now we all know that we need to cultivate a sensitive ears to hear the voice of God. And which means we have to be in the presence of God, worshiping, and just learn how to and be in the Word and listen to the Word of God. And yet, many of us have struggled even to show up consistently once a week for an hour to listen to the Word of God. I'm not judging nor condemning. Please, I'm not. I'm just saying is that it is very natural that if our mind is structured a certain way, even if the correct information is available, you wouldn't make the right decision. That was my point. 
why people keep making wrong decisions and getting themselves further away in debt when they know that they should save money. They know for sure that they should control themselves, don't buy things they don't need, try to impress with people they don't care about. And yet when Black Friday came and Boxing Day came, we just couldn't help ourselves. Shoe is so beautiful. <laughs> that big screen TV that is five inches bigger than the one I have. So what? We just want to go. Now, over the next few weeks, I will show you spiritually, scripturally, and also neurologically why we would make wrong decisions even when we know it's wrong and can't seem to make the right ones. And I'll show you also how God can supernaturally help us. Over the next two or three weeks, we will explore how we can literally condition our mindset that we can ensure that both those spontaneous and uh, the, uh, spontaneous and small decisions that we actually don't make uh, consciously, but unconsciously, those emotional decisions and also those big ones that we have to uh, deliberate carefully, they will be made right. It's really up to the condition of your mind. That's why you have to, you have to, you have to really do something about it. Now, like I said earlier, those of us who are part of this house, this is my prayer that you will experience great new breakthroughs in your life. You know what breakthroughs are, right? Breakthroughs are doing things that you're never able to do before. Achieve things that you never will achieve before. Sometimes we overlook some of the small breakthroughs. The other day in a staff uh, Christmas lunch, we went outside and, uh, to have lunch. And um, we went to the restaurant they wanted to go to, but it's all packed. And so, you know, everybody's doing staff lunch. And so we decided to go across the street to a raw fish joint. And, you know, um, a number of us are not from the Orient background, you know. They were struggling. And so this one sister never even tasted raw fish ever in her life. And she tasted it that day. I turned to her and said, do you know that's a breakthrough? <laughs> but not only that, breakthroughs in all areas of your life gain new territories, new victories, new level of living that will be so drastic that the world around you will say, hey, you're not a caterpillar anymore. You're a butterfly you and I cannot do that if we keep making the same decisions over and over again like those in the past. So if you're not happy with where you're at, or perhaps you are happy with where you're at, but also want to go further, then we need to reconsider the decisions, how we make them. Some of us' decision has been right up to this point, but in order to go forward, you, might, you literally have to shift the decision-making process to another direction to take you to the next level. Did you get that? True, sometimes we find ourselves in situations and experiences that are not of our own doing. But even in those circumstances, I want to show you over the next few weeks how you can overcome them and start making the right decisions. I promised you, I promised you, if you take heart to what I will share in the next few weeks, I promise you that you will notice your life will be different even within the next few weeks.
So the title of my sermon is this. Think well, live well. Change your thought and transform your life. That was my introduction. Part one. Now let's go to introduction part two. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy. Everybody say destroy. Destroy, destroy what? Strongholds. What are they? What are those strongholds? Are they demonic bondages and so forth? Hmm, you'd be surprised. Go to verse 5. Destroy arguments. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What are the strongholds? Arguments, opinions, and thoughts that have shaped your mind. They are strongholds. I'm going to show you biologically what they are today. Strongholds. Biologically. These arguments, these opinions, these thoughts, how you and I need to get rid of it, especially the ones that shape us to the point that cause us to make wrong decisions over and over again in spite of the fact that we know better. Arguments, opinions, and thoughts you have been exposed to over your life have shaped the way you and I think. For example, opinions of ourselves. Many people have been told growing up that they're no good. They're second-class citizen, so they have that opinion of themselves. But if you have an opinion of yourself that you are actually the next prime minister of this country, don't laugh now. You will behave completely differently. You will watch your step, make the decision that you're going to make. That's opinion about yourself. Some of you have a very weak opinions about yourself or your children. You know, maybe you've said something to your children or that somebody has said something to you growing up. Your thoughts and your opinions of yourself is wrong. Another opinion is incorrect is opinions of God. We always thought God is this, this insecure God that, that is so insecure and always waiting to punish us when he is full of grace and full of mercy. They want to forgive us. They want to give us another opportunity and another opportunity, another opportunity. When the religious world had condemned us and judged us, God says, rise up, get up. You are a child of God. I'm going to put a rope and a ring on you again. You are as good as new under my blood. Can I hear an amen? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Those are opinions, arguments, and thoughts that shape our worldview, our worldview, and our perspective. They are the filters that are as strong as strongholds of cities. There's a saying you can teach old dogs new tricks. Woo woo, right? Because why? Because that dog had reformed strongholds in his mind. And when it comes to human, it's a sure thing too. But I want to tell you this. I don't care how old you are. There are some amazing news for you today. I'm telling you this. I'm not just saying it because I want to inspire you. It's true. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how your mind works. I'm going to show you how your body works. And mostly, I want to show you what the Scripture says about it. 
Okay? The narrative of this world is so diabolically opposed to your faith in God and the Word of God. And will eventually, if you allowed it, it will turn your faith away, given enough time. And that's why if you have children that go to public school, you, you, got, you got to make sure you come to church 10 times a week if you can because they're exposed to everything that is opposing your faith every single day, eight hours a day. Don't be surprised one day when you wake up, there's another person in your house. Why? That person's his mind or her mind had been slowly and methodically shaped by the world. Now, the effort on our part then is to overcome these strongholds. Yes, arguments, thoughts, and opinions. Overcome all the education or all the parental influence that is negative. Tell us we're no good. You know, I came from Asian culture, right? We, are, we, we call it a shame culture. You know, always very humble. Or shame each other's kids. My kids are stupid. Your kids are better, right? It's just, just to show humility. You know? <laughs> anyway, so if you were the kid, you get the brunt of all the negative thing coming to you. You know, oh, my boy, he's stupid, man. Oh, your boy, he's smart. Even though my average was higher than him. And yet, anyways. <laughs> now, this is a good news. The Bible says we can actually reshape them. And scientists now tell us we can do that. It doesn't matter how old you are. In fact, not only can you reshape them, you can make them better and even more powerful and smarter. In the neuroscience community, they call this kind of process, and it's a new process. You know, some of you doctors just don't, don't, don't laugh at me if I pronounce things wrong. It's called neuroplasticity. Is that correct? Okay, three people know. Okay, so it's neuroplastic. You know, plastic, right? You can mold them and form them. And it's a new term, you know. In the past, we've been told that our brain, when it gets to a certain age, stops growing and they start dying. Right? So when people have a traumatic experience, got in a car accident and bang their head, or, or, they, grow, you know, they, or they grow up a certain way, they're told, well, this is your lot in life. This is how, how it's going to be for the rest of your life. But over the past 15 years, they have discovered something. The science has discovered some incredible breakthrough. And that breakthrough tells us that it doesn't matter how old you are, your brain will continue to generate new cells from the place called the hippocampus. Never mind about the terminology. But your brain does produce new cells. And you can actually become smart. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you can actually, I actually learned more things after I was 50. By the way, I look 35, I'm 51. <laughs> and you better agree with that. <laughs> now, let, let me take a few steps back to explain how your brain works. I, I don't want to give you a, 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 a lesson on neuro, neurology or neuroscience, but I do want you to understand what I'm coming from later on so you know that I'm not just talking to the wind. It's 12 o'clock already. I'm supposed to end right now. You want me to end? Okay. Five people didn't want me to end, so the rest of you want me to end, right? Okay, all right. Now, I'm going to give some of you, if, do you have the patience to wait for another 10, 15 minutes? Is it okay? It's 10, 15 minutes. Okay, that's all I need. And, and I'm going to cut off at 12.15. Right there, that's a clock staring at me, right? I'm going to cut off. I know some of you have plans and whatever. You have lunch to go to and you have reservations, so I'm very sensitive to that. But, but let's, let's, let's get started. I'm going to introduce you some spiritual elements over the next few weeks on top of what I'm going to show you in the next little while. 
And so, you know, uh, I'm not neuroscience, so I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, so if, if I make some mistake, please forgive me. Now, um, I'm going to show you, this is, uh, this is your brain. Are you familiar with that brain? Now, while I'm talking, uh, I want to let you know that your brain consists of brain cells. You heard that before, right? Brain cells. Your, all this little wiggly thing is basically just, just a combination of brain cells. You consider your brain cells. And uh, 90% of your brain cells are actually non, uh, brain cells that are not used to do thinking or processing. They're called glia or microglia. In other words, don't worry about the terms. They're there to, to provide nutrients to your brain cells that do the thinking and computation. So 90% of them are just basically there to protect. It has immune system to protect. The, just in case somebody, something comes into your brain, trying to attack your brain, it would just protect your brain. Now, that, that's 90% of it. But the 10% of it is called neurons or brain cells. you know how many brain cells you have? Want to take a guess? 100 billion. I know that's what I said when I heard that. Wow. Some people say on average it's 90 billion, but it's 100 billion brain cells working all at the same time. Okay? This is the, the, you're magnifying into that, that brain cell. So each of the brain cells, you see they have a lot of tentacles. You know how many tentacles in each of your brain cells? Connections. They call it dendrites or they call it synapses to connections, 10,000 connections in each of your brain cell. So you have a quadrillion, quadrillion, is that a word? Quadrillion connections in your brain, more than the number of stars that they have counted. That's how complicated, I just can't imagine why people think this can happen randomly by evolution. It can. Every time you make a decision all these brain cells, billions of them, and build connections and start to make connections. Now, how does your brain learn? Your brain learn by brain cells being starting to connect to each other. So, for example, every time when you learn, say, for example, you learn how to ride a bicycle, right? First of all, when you first, how do you know how to ride a bicycle? Actually, how many don't know how to ride a bicycle? I, oh, that's a sight to see right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> you, you don't know how to ride a bike. You don't know. You don't know how to ride a bike. Praise God, you're all saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't, so, so when you, you ride a bicycle, right? You ride, every, when you learn how to ride a bicycle, guess what happened? All the neurons start to get connected. And that connection stays there. And that's storage. Each memory you have is basically connections of all the cells. Some of the memories you don't even know you have is still there, rather weakly though. Every time you learn something new, new connections happen. Now watch this. Every time when your brain decided that you don't need those information anymore, it cuts off itself. It's called neural pruning. I'll tell you something really interesting. When you and I were born, all the connections were there the first day. 
all connected. I remember I used to say uh, in one of the prayer meetings in the morning, we used to have an early prayer me- uh, morning prayer meeting, and I, I uttered something that I didn't have any facts to back it up, but it was just my imagination, and now I find out it, it actually could be very true. I say that, you know, the babies are the ones that have the best memory of heaven because they just left heaven, their spirit, and they just come to earth. And therefore, their memory should be very fresh, just that they can't articulate it. And you say, well, what happened to the memory? Well, scientists will tell you that when you were born, your brain, all the neurons were connected to each other. And what happened is that as you grow older, your brain decides to start cutting off those connections, called neural pruning. And the reason your brain wants to do that is because each connection requires power. Your body can, nev- can never generate enough energy for full connection. So your, bo- your brain basically decides to be efficient. So for efficiency's sake, it starts to cut off all those, all those connections in your brain. And so over time, many of them will get connected. And when you relearn it, it will connect back. Those neural pruning, you can, do it the, you can allow the brain to do itself or you can actually do it yourself. That's when we talk about how to prune your brain cells in area of habits, bad habits. We'll touch on that later on. But there's also supernatural pruning. I don't know if you heard of the story, stories of people get born again, you know. Before they were born again, they were swearing and drinking like a fish and smoke like a chimney. And then the day they got born again, the next day, boom. All gone. What do you call that? Because if they had been smoking and they've been drinking, and those, those, those connections would be very, very strong, especially they've been doing all their lives. All of a sudden, they lost interest. What happened? It's supernatural pruning. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Um, I'm going to give you an exercise, and I'm going to give you a few tips about how to help yourself this week. And then we're going to further delve into how your brain works and then how the Holy Spirit, i give you some ex- one example just now, but how the Holy Spirit actually wants you to partner with Him. And so that for all the 35 decisions you make every single day, most of them you make unconsciously will be made correctly and so you notice your life will started to change and transform. Well, that would be next week, okay? You have to come back next week. Now, how do you physically help yourself to help your mind to form properly and become healthy? I'm going to give you a few tips. But before then, I'll give you an exercise for this week. How many of you are ready for homework? Okay, 30%. The rest of you are like, I, I quit school a long time ago, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't want any homework. So, so this is what you need to do. I want you, then this next week, to list out what things you want to learn in this year so that you can grow. And then list out the things that you want to get rid of, the habits and the lifestyle you need to get rid of. And you've been having trouble doing it. Like, for example, some of you need to learn how to save, you know. So get rid of that spending habit. How do you get rid of it? You can't because it's just why It's hardwired. You're going to go ahead and tell your husband that, oh, your wife that next time husband you need to buy something. You come home and your wife's like, what happened? It's just hardwired, man. It's just hardwired in my brain. I can't help it, you know. That's, that's an excuse. Right? But, you know, some of you are hardwired, even though you, you know you need to save. But, you, you know, there, there are things in our lives, uh, vices, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, habitual sin. And all the things that you want God to help you. I want you to list that down. 
And you don't have to share with anybody, just top secret, and then list down all the things that you want to cultivate. You know, want to be in the presence of God, learn how to study the Word of God, and now how to be, how to, how to, how to be strong within your faith, strong in your spiritual walk with the Lord, make the right decisions, you know. List that all down, whatever, I don't know what you are, you know, so that you need your mind to cooperate. List them down, okay? And then we're going to do something about next week. Now, Scientists have had, had discovered that, as I mentioned earlier, is that our mind continues to produce new cells to the way to the day that we meet Jesus. So in the old days, um, my, my wife is uh, working in uh, um, Age, and so she'd done study on, you know, on mind and so forth. And so they have, in the past, she at one time worked for a geriatric hospital just down the street here, uh, the, the, the biggest one, I guess, I don't know, geriatric hospital, and it's called Baycrest, and, and uh, she was doing research there. And, and, um, and, uh, um, and so they, they, they have a lot of old people kind of senile, lost their mind, lost their memory. How many of you old people worry that you're going to, never mind, don't, don't raise your hand because you're going to admit that you're older, right? But, you know, they, they, say, they say that when you get older, your brain stops working. And so, in other words, you're going to lose memory. And you're going to lose your alertness. Your co- cognitive skills is going to decrease. And so they had accepted that. But over the past 15 years, they discovered something quite different. And um, they, have sh- they have shown that you actually can grow new brain cells. And, and, and people have done it before. And so they, they, they list quite a few things that can help. And so you will see senior. I hear, I hear you know, I, I've listened to uh, um, uh, um, uh, speech and lectures from Harvard uh, professors and Stanford University professors over the past few months just to learn about it. And they have given a lot of good examples of how older people are now very alert. You can actually go to university and start your life all over again in the age of 65 as though you're just a kid and have a new life altogether. And they say that, the, the, and, and so they get, the, uh, the, from all the things that I've heard, you know, um, many of them are quite common. You know them like diet and exercise. When you exercise, you do resistance training and use cardio training, you actually produce chemis, chemis, chemical in your body that actually ge- generates new cells. And so not only are you going to look good, you know, look sharp, but, you know, your brain is going to be sharp. Exercise is very important. And, and, and um, uh, you experience new things. Try new things. Some of you have been serving in one ministry. Go do, do something else in another ministry. You learn something new. We, we have a lot of ministry for you to check things out and have a new experience, have new experience in life. That will help, in, you know, increase your uh, 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 blood cells. Now, the, the last two is very spiritual, and I'm going to share with you, is, is sleep well. Try to sleep well this, this, uh, this week. I tell you, you'll learn, whatever you learn during the day, your mind is going to repeat itself while you're sleeping at the state of, of a, at a non-dreaming state. So when you're sleeping, if you don't know, when you close your eyes, you're going through a part-time of relaxation, and then you go into a dream mode, and your mind is still firing at all cylinder. And then at one point of your mind, it goes to a state of nothingness, sleeping, no dreams. That's when your mind starts to recite everything you learn. And then you go back to dreaming state, and then you come out, and then you go through another cycle. I think you go through several cycles in your, in your one-night sleeps. And sleep is very important. You want to make sure you have, you have enough sleep so that at the state when your mind is completely at rest, 
it will start residing without you even knowing some of the things you learn. People that don't sleep well can't learn well. So you want to sleep well. So some of the university students wonder, how come I can't get my A's? Well, stop partying all the way to 2 o'clock in the morning and wake up 6 o'clock because that will ruin the ability to learn. So you got to sleep well. So, um, so this is all about rest, right? A lot of us have six hours sleeping. No, just, just, just ask, you know, I'm trying to finish this book that I've been writing forever called Rest. <laughs> it's almost done. I'm on the ninth chapter. Hallelujah. It's going to conclude, right? It's ending. And, and, and uh, so um, uh, anyways, you know, uh, if, if, if rest is so important for your mind, not only for your spirit. Now, another thing that they, they, they often talk about, all the secular people talk about is meditation. And of course, when they talk about meditation, this is what they say, you know, you sit in the lotus position or whatever, right? And the reason they say that is because they don't know anything about the Bible. At least they refuse to know everything in the Bible. So this is what they say. When you're in that state of, of meditation, um, your mind is actually at full rest. Because it's not thinking anymore. You see, when you are not thinking anything, say for instance, you're driving, you're driving. Now, your mind is not focused on anything, right? And you're driving. And sometimes, I don't know if you have the experience, you don't know how you got home from work. It's like, ooh. So what happened? Your mind just flew off. And you know, when your mind flew off, 10,000 things are going on because you're thinking about this, that, the other thing, right? You think about a lot of things. And if they were to scan your brain using MRI, it would be red hot, just a lot of activities going on. So being absent-minded is actually pretty bad for you. So what they do in, in, in meditation, they teach is that, you, you know, if you, if you could listen to any of those classes, is you concentrate in one of those things, two things, you know, the sound around you and blah, 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 right? But this is what I discovered, and it's been proven scientifically, praying tongues. So a number of years ago, ABC News, ABC News, major network, did a research. Some guy decided that they want to do research on somebody who is speaking in tongues and kind of scan their brain. It's actually on YouTube. You can check it out. And um, they scan the brain scan the brain of a person, of a pastor, and also some lay people, and they scan their brain. And they say that when they speak in tongues, those brains are actually in full rest. Isn't that cool? I know, I thought so too. I thought, wow. So if whatever I preach until now have not convinced you to pray in the Spirit, and all the spiritual benefits, I hope this will convince you. Is that, you know, given our praying in the Spirit. Now, if you, if, for me right now, what I do usually is I pray in the Spirit in the, in, during the day, in the morning. But what I do is in the evening, right before I go to sleep, I used to have problems sleeping after I drinking some tea. The other day I was drinking some tea, but I slept anyways. And the reason is because, you know, before I sleep, I just started this like five days ago. It's pretty cool. I start to listen to either scripture. I tell you, listen to Proverbs will put you to sleep. Why? Because now you focus. Listen, listen. You focus. When you focus on one thing, all the 99% of the stuff that's going on in your brain start to rest. And it's not true that the Word of God bores you to tears that it put you to sleep. That's not true. But what is true is that it just defocus everything else in your life and focus on the Word. And your mind and your spirit on top of that is absorbing. And it puts you at full rest. If you like music, I have this, you know, Spotify have, have um, this hymn that is in playing in piano. And when you listen to the hymns, you listen to how the piano moves, how the finger moves. Just imagine, you focus on that, just one thing, and eventually, and usually when I do that, I just speak in tongue too, right? So it's multitask, right? But it actually helps you to absolutely rest. Because when your mind is well rested, your mind now 
can have new exercise to absorb more, to learn more, to grow more. Did you learn anything today? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Worship team, can you come out?